Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Hey, welcome to the Friday Habit. Hey, we're excited to have you on the show today. Um, today we have a special guest with us. We got Chuck Knebush, and he is the founder and principal of 1310 Business Solutions, LLC. He has spent decades helping business leaders and managers gain solutions for useless meetings, missed customer deadlines, stretch budgets, and lack of time for their personal life. So I'm sure we'd have a lot to talk with you about, Chuck. Thanks so much for being on the show. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mark. Appreciate being here. Yeah. So you're over there in Texas, right? Actually, I'm visiting family in Michigan, but yes, I generally live in Texas. Okay, nice. What part of Michigan? We're about halfway between Detroit and Toledo, right on okay. Lake Erie, a little town called Monroe. Okay, nice. I like a good, I like a good lake town. We had some. I remember going to Appleton and staying at a house like on a lake, and it was just like the weather was perfect. You know, it was kind of like late summer, early fall. You know, and it was just. I could see why someone would want to live there, but then I heard the winters are terrible and the summers are hot and muggy. So <laughs> I like Colorado. I'll tell you, if you want muggy, come to Texas. It hasn't started <laughs> yet, but probably by mid next month, humidity will hit and it'll be there until September, October. What part of Texas are you in? It's what they call Southeast Texas. We're about an hour and a half Northeast of Houston, just outside okay. of Beaumont, right near the, the Louisiana border. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. All right. That's awesome. Well, hey, I'd love to hear a little bit of your your journey, your story about how you got to where you are. It sounds, you know, I read a little bit of your bio. You were in the military. I feel like we've had a lot of people in the military, a lot of military people starting their own businesses, doing consulting. I think that's awesome because I feel like people in the military learn so many good skills in the military and then they get out and they forget all the great skills that they learned in the military and they don't think that they have much to offer to uh, the normal world. And I'm like, listen, you learn leadership, you learn discipline, like all these foundational things you need to be successful in life. Like you can take those things. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, your journey to where you are now. I graduated very close to the top of my class in high school and thought, hey, I was going to be on easy street going through college, university and on into business or whatever my career path took me. And I flunked out my first year at the university. Kind of a, a big eye-opening experience for me. Probably one of those big first failures. And I went, so I went to community college and I didn't do a whole lot better. And I said, I need those life skills that you were talking about. I need self-discipline. I need focus. Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about necessarily leadership at, at 20 years old, but certainly self-discipline and, and, and uh, focus. And so I went into the military, said, I'm going to earn some money for college. And I know I'm going to go. It's, I'm not ready yet. I started, I did a, a three-year enlistment, liked it so much. I re-enlisted for another four years, hated to leave, but knew my, I was gone from my family all the time. So I went in the National Guard for two years as I joined corporate America, spent 28 years at a company called Lazy Boy Incorporated. Okay. Um, like the couch? Yes. <laughs> we like to call nice. sofas, but no, yeah, absolutely. The couch, that's what I call The it. couch, sofas, you know, it's like the lazy boy was like the, like the dad's chair, you know, yes. 
it was like, don't sit in dad's chair, you know, because he'd get home that's from work. And, that's yeah. right. It's the good one. It's like super comfy. It like rocks back. <laughs> we could sit in dad's chair until dad got home. That's right. Uh, yeah. And actually, yeah, my dad worked there. My grandfather had worked there. So okay. it's kind of a natural thing. I worked there for 28 years, retired five wow. years ago. After okay. a, a year of retirement, my wife said, either find a job or find a hobby. You're driving me nuts. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, and I understand that. So actually, yeah. my old employer called me back and said, hey, would you mind coming back for a project? And I said, sure. So I came back, worked up until kind of COVID hit. You know, they were furloughing employees. I was a contractor. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I had to go. Yeah. No problem there. I really expected. About three, four months into COVID, as they started reopening their plants and their stores, they found they had like the biggest backlog of production that they'd ever had in their history. Mm, um, wow. About a million units have gotten up to. And so wow. they said, hey, would you mind coming back and help us open a couple other plants? And in my career, I'd seen plants close and we'd seen consolidation, but we, I'd never had the opportunity to see a plant open and what all goes into it. So I said, absolutely. You know, that was kind of the one thing that I had missed during my career. The last plant had opened a number of years before I had come on and said, yes, I absolutely wanted to go ahead and be a part of that. So I worked for them for, I don't know, another 12, 15, 18 months, something like that, bringing a couple plants online when they said, well, okay. You know, that's what we needed for this engagement. We may call you in the future. I said, wonderful. Started working with a, a business coach. We all kind of need a little bit of coaching. And he said, have you ever thought of writing a book? I said, well, you know, I read a lot of books. You know, I've always said, well, you know, I would do this different if I was writing a book or I'd do that different. So he said, well, why don't you write a book? So we talked about it for a couple, three months, then spent four months writing it and probably eight months getting it published or so. And last fall, I came out with a book, uh, Hope is Not a Business Strategy, How to Take Control of Your Business So It Doesn't Take Control of You. A great title, and, by the way. Yes, I, yeah. I saw that. I was like, Hope is Not a Business Strategy. <laughs> like, mm, tell me more. It's good. And, and then, you know, kind of been trying to help out some businesses here and there along the way. That's awesome. I mean, that sounds like, I mean, that sounds like an interesting journey. You know, for third, you said 28 years you were at Lazy Boy. What, what, what was your roles? Like, what were you doing there when you were there? It all had to do with operations, but I started in IT as a programmer, okay. went okay. through materials, went through quality, went through logistics, went through project management, did production management down at a manufacturing facility, different types of manufacturing facilities. And then I ended my career putting in an ERP system because I understood all the, all the operational mm. processes and I yeah. understood IT and I could help them put it together. Right. Okay. Nice. That makes sense. To what is the 1310? What is that? The business solutions? What is that? What is 1310? Well, as you said, your audience is a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm guessing a lot of them have gone on, Hey, I want some cool name. I want something catchy. I want something flashy that everybody will know what it is. Hardest thing to go ahead and do in business is come up with a name. Yeah. So I, I looked at performance. I looked at this. I looked at that. They're all taken, but I'd seen somewhere that somebody had used a number that was Part number, part word, and I use actually it's my address. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Nice. There you go. It's it's that simple. <laughs> you don't have to make it so complicated. My wife's the uh, she she names all the businesses that I do. She's really good at thinking of that stuff. You know, it's like I'm the creative one, but she's the one who's you know can create. We were sitting around, you know, and it was like oh, I want I want something about you know we do branding and we do content and all this kind of stuff, and I want something that's like lively and what if she's like, well, what about Brand Viva? <laughs> You know, brand life. That's like, like okay, like, yeah. That's the one. Well, yep. That's why we could tell you're kind of more into sales and marketing. I'm the operations guy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. So, so yeah. So tell us a little bit about this book and kind of like what inspired it and kind of the, the framework of it and, and kind of what are the, some of the things that you, that you outline in it? I wanted to take a lot of the lessons that I've learned, some of them the hard way and really be able to pass them on to the future generations, whoever wanted to mm -hmm. go ahead and read it. But I didn't want to do it from the perspective of corporate America. Yeah. Because again, a lot of us who are now running small businesses say, well, you know, they've got staff, they've got resources, they've got departments they can throw at problems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not most of us. Most of us are, you know, a single person, a few people. We don't have that. So I took it from the aspect of my wife and I, We've used a lot of contractors over the last, I don't know, five, 10 years. So mm -hmm. I took it through stories that we've had with dealing with contractors and the customer perspective and say, this is where we could have done better or they could have done better. And this mm -hmm. is where we had a phenomenal experience. And let's go ahead and call that out. And a lot of them, the, the phenomenal experience wasn't because they threw money at it. It wasn't because it was a, a $10 million implementation, couldn't afford that. But it was because they did something small and separated themselves. And mm. in some cases, it didn't cost them a nickel. That's awesome. So so tell us a bit, little bit about some of the business stuff. So, you know, what would you say uh, you need to lay like a good foundation to a solid business? What, what do you think those things are? First and foremost, values. I mean, articulate the values. I mean, we all have values. We mm -hmm. all can go ahead and say what they are. We've seen them as we've gone into corporate worlds. They're plastered. But we have to go ahead and really know what our values are. What do we want to express in our, our business? Mm. And we have to go ahead and be committed to living them. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how many places have I or you gone in? And they all, you know, customer is the most important thing. And then you see somebody with a poster behind their desk that says, you know, complaints are only taken after 3 p.m. Or <laughs> plane box is a one-inch square. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they may have a value that customers are important. But what does that poster, is that poster aligned with their values? Is that mm -hmm. practicing their values? Well, it's funny. We've all laughed at it, me included. But realistically, is that really what we want our customers to go ahead and see and to explain to them how important they are to our business? Absolutely not. To me, it's all, you have to start with values. If you don't have values, because values then go ahead and start to lead into a purpose. And from a purpose, we have an ideal customer. The vision and the mission, granted, are okay, but if you don't have the values first, you really don't have anything else because when you hit a troubled time, you're not going to know, how should I go ahead? I have a fork in the road. I can go direction A or direction B. The values are going to help you make that decision. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the hard things about this, because I, I, I don't disagree with you because I feel like values, mission, vision, all that kind of stuff is important, but I think they get overlooked a lot because people start off 
maybe as a solopreneur, one man band, you know, contractor, they're in the trenches, they're just grinding and they never really stop to think about, you know, what are my values? And I think that's important for a lot of people to, to maybe slow down a little bit and think about that because like you said, when, when times get tough or even it comes down to like even working with the right type of client, right? A lot of times you may just do something because you need the paycheck or you need the money, but then it's like you hate the job and you hate the client that you're working with, but you did it because you needed the money. And so sometimes if you were able to set some boundaries and put, put down those values that things that are important to you, it'll help you in the long run from a lot of heartache and, um, you know, maybe pushing through some hard times. Well, even solopreneurs, I mean, they generally have somebody in their support network, whether it's a supplier or somebody else they contract, uh, whatever. I mean, so it's important for them to know their values, to know how they're going to go ahead and interact with those people, not just the clients, not just the customers. I mean, not that they're not important, but there's a lot of people that even a solopreneur works with in order to go ahead and get the job done. I mean, they may have a VA and they, they outsource or delegate certain things because they can't do everything. So you have to understand your values to know what is it you're looking for in others. What is it you're looking for, as you said, in customers? What is it you're looking for in partners? But it also comes down to another point you made is we need to spend some time working on our business, not just in our business. And I know that's tough for, you know, the little guy out there grinding it out, trying to get the paycheck to make sure that they feed, you know, the wife or the husband, the kids and, and take care of the dogs, the cats, whatever it is that they have. Um, mm -hmm. but realistically stepping back and doing a little planning and again, I think it starts with the values and the vision and all that, but it may also be, Hey, how do I plan out this week? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to accomplish today before I go ahead and start the day? We know we're going to go ahead and encounter a certain amount of chaos, certain amount of fires. So we probably shouldn't pack our day with meetings from seven in the morning till six o'clock at night and expect everything's going to run smoothly. You know, you might be able to put 40% of your time, whether it's in meetings or something else, but leave at least 10, 20% for chaos. Chaos is going to happen. You're going to have fires. You're going to have to react to certain things. And much as you may plan everything out, you're still going to have to react because business conditions are fluid and they're going to throw a curve at you. So the nice thing is if you've done planning, you've kind of thought through some of those curves so you can react better. But you also have to have the time to react in the moment. So don't go ahead and try and time block your whole day right down to the minute because you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah. So do you think it's like starting out, like what would be a good place for someone to start who doesn't have a mission, who doesn't have a vision? They just have a skill, right? They have a skill of graphic design or web development or videography, photography. Like what would you encourage that person to do What's one of the first things they should do to kind of start moving in that right direction? Who's your ideal customer? Actually, I was, I was spending some time with my nephew. He does a, a detail company. And I was asking him, you know, who, who's your ideal customer? Oh, from 18 to probably 60 years old. I said, really? You have a lot of 18-year-olds coming in wanting a System X ceramic coating put on their vehicle? Well, no. Do you have a lot of 18-year-olds coming in wanting their car washed? Well, not maybe before prom. So it's really not 18-year-olds. So if you're going to do any marketing, any advertising, 
and you're going after 18-year-olds, is that really your target audience? And he got to thinking about that. He says, you know, you're probably right. I'm probably more looking at that 28 to 32 as my bottom line, where people start to have a little excess money. They might have just gotten the new car. They wanted to go ahead and look pristine you know, as they drive it in um, and park it in front of their, their house, their condo, their apartment. And they want to be able to kind of show it off because that's what the public sees. That's probably where my customer starts, not really at 18. I said, you know, now does that go ahead and open up some ideas for you as to how to better find, acquire, and work with your customer? He says it does. So, you know, again, thinking through that ideal customer, now a graphic designer can do, and again, I'm not a graphic designer, so, you know, they can go ahead and probably work with anybody, but are 18-year-olds going to be your, your prime candidate? Are they doing business logos? Because again, that might send them in a slightly different area to find their customer than if they were doing wedding graphics or web-like graphics. Yeah. So, okay. So, so step one, define who your ideal customer is. Like who, who would maybe benefit most from your business? Right. Or uh, would you say the type of, of customer I, I, you know, I think for us, yeah, how specific, yeah, yeah, it's like how specific because I think for us as Brand Viva, you know, over the past seven years, we've evolved from yeah, we kind of worked with everybody, a lot of solopreneurs and and authors and, and other things like that. People are trying to build a, a personal brand, and we slowly kind of move more to a corporate world where we ideal customer is more a company that's maybe 30 to 50 million and they have a marketing department, but they don't have an in-house like creative team. And so our kind of ideal customers changed over the past, you know, seven years that we've been in business, but that's kind of the, like the, the place to start, but how, you know, how specific do we get with that? Well, again, I keep being told that the riches are the niches. So, I mean, you want to be specific, but but again, I mean, if you don't have money to pay your bills, yes, you're going to go ahead and accept some of your non-ideal customers in order to go ahead and pay the bills to get started out. You said you started out in a very broad market, and you may go ahead and do that with the intention, hey, I want to go here. And you still may find out that you're going to take a right turn or you're going to take a left turn because business evolves. We evolve or we die. You know, business is very fluid. I mean, it may be that the market calls for something totally different five years from now, and you may be doing something totally different. So, I mean, we're not writing our ideal customer in stone. We're writing it down in order to go ahead and create a strategy to go after that customer and, and do an experiment, see if it works. If it doesn't, we can go ahead and wad up that piece of paper, modify it, change it, write, in, write a new target or an ideal customer and go after that one. Because again, a lot of times we think so broadly, but uh, a lot of times you'll find as you start using, well, you know, some of these customers, uh, you know, they want to pay me 20 bucks for this. And is it really worth my time to acquire them? Is it really worth my time to go ahead and work with them? Now, it may be, or it may not be. So you, you'll learn over time that, no, I want to go ahead and refine this as you did and say, I want to go ahead and really target this a lot more. And it'll happen over time. But the more you can kind of come up with, you know, a target up front, you may not, you know, that may not be your only customer up front, but that's maybe what you're targeting up front and then see where it takes you. All right. We're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to the Friday 
there you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, Also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. Friday.